Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the official Intergames podcast, Getting Into Games. I'm Millicent. And I'm Brandon. And every month we'll talk to a games industry professional from all over the UK about their career and the windy and twisty road that they took into this awesome industry. We'll be covering topics such as navigating education, landing your first role, the power of portfolios, and the unexpected paths that many have taken into the games industry. Such as, have you ever wanted to know what the day-to-day role of a community manager is? What even is a community manager or an esports host? If you want to know how you can make your environment art portfolio shine and land that first role. Or, you know, perhaps you maybe just want to know what game made your favorite developer cry. We'll have it all here at Getting Into Games. For this first episode, we wanted to introduce ourselves to let you know a bit more about what you can expect from us. We have some super exciting guests lined up already from all sorts of careers in games, from level design to marketing and presenting. And coming up in September, we'll be sharing some special video episodes of the EGX uh, digital conference. Uh, so keep an eye on the Intergames Twitter, at HQ for all the updated information about when those are going to go live. And before we go any further, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to this episode's lovely sponsor. Big thank you to Electric Square Game Studio, the studio behind Hot Wheels ID and Forza Street for sponsoring this episode. Do keep an eye on intergames.org to see some cool collaborations with them coming soon. So let's get started. Brandon, how did you get into games? Yeah, well, as we were saying before, it's a windy and unexpected path and uh, not wholly what I expected (laughs) at all. So I I worked a lot with like uh, disadvantaged young people over the last few years, um, supporting young people from different backgrounds in creative roles, essentially, not anything that was necessarily games related, just working with young people who are underrepresented in creative industries more widely. And and, um, through that, you know, actually realized that one of the places that we could be doing a lot more work was in the games industry it was something that i've been passionate about my entire life and and you know even going back to school was something that i always always really wanted to do you know i'd sit in primary school with my kid with with my friends like creating game ideas and i remember once we um i remember once we got really annoyed because when uh, when saints row got announced because we basically said that we'd come up with the idea for saints row before <laughs> Before, any, before anyone else was. So we used to sit and write game ideas and like different stories and things like that. So it's always, always been something that I wanted to do. And I think, you know, it's something that's emblematic of people more gen- generally who want to work in the games industry. They think I'm never going to be able to do this. It's it's not a real career. It's not a real job. It's I need to do something that's a science or something that's more applied or it's really easy to kind of convince yourself that it's not possible for you. So I think for a long time I spent trying to put myself in shoehorn myself into into something else um studied cinema at uni and again that was something that i really really loved as well and and don't get me wrong i'm really glad that i did that um but even going into the end of my degree realized that it was games that i was really interested in and that's what i spent my whole last year at uni doing was video game theory and it was the most excited i'd ever been by a piece of work that i'd done so so excited and i was like okay i'm onto something here you know maybe i actually can make something of this and spent the last year very much not doing that at all <laughs> i found it really really difficult applied for a million different things um must have been 150 200 different job applications wow. games industry stuff creative sector stuff more widely just getting nothing back at all just hearing nothing 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 of a rejection i applied for actually a, a writer's job on the rick and morty game and i was so gutted <laughs> that i didn't get that the guy was really nice as well and he mm. was like basically trying to push for me to get the role but they said they wanted someone with experience and it's kind of 
funny that, you know, in a junior role or an internship role, they're saying that they're looking for people with experience because you wonder how they're ever supposed to get it. Yeah, it's that classic catch-22. You need experience to get the job, but you need a job to get experience. Exactly, exactly. And I think that that's what I was coming up against a lot mm. and, and really just got, got lucky and, and, and got a, a place on a a course down in London that was specifically around kind of tackling social inequalities and and I'd come into it with the kind of explicit desire really to do something around supporting young people and if I could supporting young people into the games industry and through that and through my research and the work that I was doing out in North London supporting the students there um, I found out about InterGames and you know I guess the rest is history you know um, Declan over InterGames seeing that it was something that I was perhaps even oddly over passionate about and wanted to do something about and I managed to find myself in a nice little place here and yeah I guess as I said that the rest is history. Amazing and now you've got like a dream job right? <laughs> Absolutely yeah it, it really is and it's exactly that it's an absolute dream job you know we're getting to do this I'm getting to sit here and talk to you about all of this stuff which yeah I really couldn't have asked for anything more than that. Oh, I'm um, honoured. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and how about yourself? Let's hear it. Let's hear the whole story. Well, to be fair, there's not much story just yet. I'm still at the very, very beginning of my kind of career in games, if I get one. I really hope I do. Um, so I, I, similar to you, obviously, I studied film at uni. I'm studying film at uni. I'm just about to go into my final year of studies. Um, and I've done various careers in my lifetime. I was an actor for a few years and, and I was a, I'm still technically a film journalist, um, have been for about a year and a half. And I kind of, same as you, like I loved games as a kid. Uh, me and my brother would like kick each other's butts on SSX Tricky on the PlayStation 2 and I'd go crying into the other room. But it was never like, you know, games were just something to enjoy. They were never like a viable career. It was never any creative industry just wasn't possible like growing up you just don't learn that that's a possibility um but this year I did a short internship at Games Radar in their film department so I was writing about movies but being around the games team I was just kind of like wow like this atmosphere just everyone talking about games all the time is like so exciting and making friends with some of those guys you know I kind of felt like maybe I could get in there more than I originally thought I could um so I started it was maybe it was actually lockdown, like being at home, kind of reevaluating my life, where I started to think maybe I should just like give this a shot and see what kind of roles there are for me in games. Um, so I actually put out a call on Twitter to like my friends, like, does anyone know of any like internships or remote work experience places going on in like the games industry, like marketing and PR, anything like that? And it was you that got in touch and DM me and was like, into games looking for someone, but it's not an internship it's a job <laughs> and then um, I had a few interviews and here I am in the games industry within like a matter of months and that is just crazy to me I feel very very lucky and I'm super excited about the work we're doing because um, I come from a bit of like you know I come from up north and very working class upbringing you never think these things you know, like going to London was like one of the biggest things ever. And now I'm like, maybe one day I could live in London. You know, these things are happening that you don't think ever could. And to be a part of helping other young disadvantaged people feel that way and know that they can have the confidence to pursue these kind of careers as well and giving them that confidence is a super exciting thing to be a part of. So yeah, I'm very excited to be here too. <laughs> 
Brilliant. And I know, I think you're totally right. And I think that that's a really great thing about the work of Intergames World. Why mm-hmm. is that, that we get to be part of something really, really exciting and something we're deeply passionate about, but at the same time, I get, get to use that for something really, really beneficial. You yeah. know, um, we've seen ourselves the value of an industry network, you know, the value of having a support network and internship opportunities, mm-hmm. any kind of real kind of practical opportunity is just hugely hugely valuable and it feels really great to be able to to be a part of doing that and hopefully you know to a certain extent that's what this podcast will be able to do is to just give people a little bit more of an understanding of what those roles are like how people got there it's very easy to think that people took this kind of career ladder type journey into the industry and more often than not it is the exact opposite it is so far removed from what Mm -hmm. you would think and and people really did both not only not have an easy time of it, but took a very unexpected route into it. And and I think with some of the upcoming guests, for sure, there's going to be um, a lot of people that are going to be able to share their stories that, yeah, you, you, will, you would never, ever expect that that's how they got into the games industry. Yeah, it's never as simple as you think it is. It's never school, degree, job. There's so many other things that come into play and you can try out so many things before you get to that like final dream role that you're happy in for a long time. Don't be like, I don't want this podcast to just be for like the teenagers out there. I want everyone to be able to hear it and think, you know, no matter how old you are or what role you're in now, or where you've come from, a games career is still possible and accessible for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Nail on the head there. Nail on the head for sure. So I think we should, um, I've been wanting to actually explore this a little bit and I'm glad actually that I'm getting to answer these questions because uh, <laughs> in, in um, SideQuest, our national uh, game jam, of course, I've done lots of interviews with people in the industry in the past and asked them questions about their role and not just their role, but their favorite games too. And I was always really gutted that nobody asked me these questions <laughs> because I, <laughs> I like to talk about I like to talk about games and I like to talk about the games that I like too um, and get you know sometimes really overly passionate about them and yeah was just really wanting somebody to turn it back around on me and ask me what my favorite games are so this is great and, uh, and yeah I'm, I'm glad that we're going to get to answer these and also ask um, any of our future guests them as well because I think it's always interesting to to hear the games that inspired people and and, and every time that I asked one of these questions that we're going to come up with um, they gave me a totally different answer every single time. I've not had one person so far that said the same game as someone else. And I think that that's really, really cool that there's different touchstones throughout people's lives that made them go, hey, maybe this is something I can do or realization that this was something that they really, really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's really cool to ask people these questions and, and to see that, you know, just playing games and being a part of that world is, you know, an inspiration in and of itself and something that you can kind of like latch onto and say, oh, I like this element or that element, or this is the thing that really inspired me about this game and and let that be the like the fuel to the fire of getting you into the industry you know get yourself excited by these things and talk about them all the time you know mm-hmm. it's, it's good fun but let's start and, I, and I'll, I'll ask i'll ask them to you first because okay. i'm really curious to hear what these are okay so you millicent have been stranded on a deserted island oh no and you're only, <laughs> I, I know i know not for the first time <laughs> and you only have one game you can play well i'm assuming you also have a console as well and all that other stuff yeah the whole setup is already on the island (laughs) brilliant how handy how handy it's like you've got one airdrop and the airdrop's going to deliver down to you your favorite console alongside one game and that's the only game that you can play on that deserted island to while the hours away whilst you're not picking coconuts and making sos signs out of rocks (laughs) on the beach so let's hear it 
Well, the thing is, like, I don't think this is like my favorite game. It's just the game that on a deserted island I could play forever and it won't make me sad and it's not too hard, but it's still really fun. It's got some great tunes um, and I have previously mentioned it and that game would be SSX Tricky on the PlayStation 2. Um, that is the most fun I've probably ever had. And I actually have considered many times going on eBay and trying to find a PlayStation 2 just so I can play it again because I got rid of that a long time ago. But um, yeah, just snowboarding, doing flips, listening to really cool songs and really cool characters, like thinking they're, they're all that. It's just a great game. Have you played it? I've played it. I've got it on oh the shelf God. right next to me. I'm so jealous. I miss it so much. Yeah, SSX Tricky for sure. It brings back a lot of good memories and it's easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love those games so much. I have absolutely, not SSX Tricky actually, but I was obsessed with SSX Free. I don't know why, mm -hmm. but I unlocked every single thing in that game every single item every single high score got it 100 percent completion wow. on that game i used to play it all the time and i always there was one of the uh there was one of the snowboarders who's called niall and i always <laughs> really wanted to be like him he had like cool goggles and yeah. i used to have these these uh swimming goggles that i used to have for swimming lessons when i was a kid and i used to walk around the house wearing them on my head oh my that god I was a snowboarder. of course <laughs> Nah, it's like, um, back then I didn't know anything about games. I just played whatever my brother already had. So like, I only knew SSX Tricky, Lego Star Wars, and maybe like mm. The Sims 2 busting out. So I don't even know about any other SSX game. I'm like, they don't exist to me. It's only SSX Tricky. <laughs> SSX Tricky is the best one. And one of the things that I loved about the SSX Tricky as well is, you know, the, um, the EA Sports, it's yes, in the game. Yeah. And the, this one has like a EA Sports. <laughs> and that always used to make me laugh. And I think SSX Tricky might be the only game that has that in it. I don't know yeah. any other. <laughs> it's, the, it's the announcer guy who like introduces all the amazing kind of like routes and courses and he's so dramatic and I was so here for it. <laughs> no, it's a great game. We need more games like that. We need more arca arcadey kind of like yes. fun games. Like Steep is a lot of fun, but I don't want to play a simulation. I want to play <laughs> something that I can do a million flips in the air whilst like... Yeah throwing the board up in the air, making myself a cup of tea before I <laughs> land back down perfectly on the ground again. That's the kind of game I I think it was one of the only games I ever played as well where I got to do that classic choose your character thing and you cycle through, they all do a little pose, there's some like music going. And I really miss that aspect of it. I, every time I'm on Twitter, I always demand a remaster. I really, really want it like for the PS4 or 5. Like I need it back in my life. Yeah, def definitely. We definitely need a remaster of that one for sure. Okay. Right. S second question. Right. <laughs> this one, again, like the, the good thing about these ones is I don't know if this one will be your favorite game either, but mm. it's an interesting one nonetheless. So you have the opportunity. You've got a time machine if you should choose to use it to go <laughs> back in time or forward in time, work on any game, past, present or future. So this could be a game from your childhood that you loved, like SSX Tricky. It mm -hmm. could be a game that's out right now that you're obsessed with. Or it could be a sequel to a game that you always wish had been released but never was. And you've got the opportunity to work on that team. And I'd love to know which game that is and why. Okay. Um, I was going to say the 2018 God of War. But I've changed my mind in like the past five seconds. And it's going to be the sequel to the 2018 God of War, whenever that arrives. And it will, I, it will arrive. I, I'm so sure of it. Um, but I would love to be on the team making that happen and seeing that world again, but like from start to finish, you know, like as it's being told, as it's being created and developed and designed, like just 
being a fly on the wall now, not even working and I'll just get coffee. I'll be a runner and I'll get everyone coffee just so I can see what's going on and how the story is shaping. Yeah, and just to be there from the very beginning, you know, like that game, I only played it for the first time a month ago and it literally surpassed everything I've ever played and is now my favorite game of all time. Um, I thought it was beautiful, incredible. I cried a lot. It was just, yeah, there's no, there's nothing like God of War. I never, I've never played the originals. Um, I watched the documentary Raising Kratos on YouTube and I was like, wait, this is a sequel. Let me just like hand in my gamer card. But um, yeah, I, I watching bits of like the originals on PlayStation 2 and all that, it was like, I don't think I would have liked those ever. But now like the way they've kind of re reimagined Kratos and his story, I'm like, this is everything I want, not just from a game, but like storytelling in general, like the character development, the world building, like everything, the score. Oh my God, the music. Yeah. God of War 2. I will be there at Santa Monica Studios. Um, I'm sorry I'm leaving you guys, but I've got to, I've just got to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get it. I totally get it. And you know, I don't think it's my favorite game, but it may well be the best game ever made, at least from a technical perspective as well. It, it just it just brings together so many incredible elements mm -hmm. and does it so, so well and so seamlessly and it's so enjoyable to play as well. It is just riveting from start to finish. I had so much fun playing oh, that so game. Oh, I'm so glad you um, liked it. <laughs> yeah, no, loved it, loved it. And I get to keep my gamer card because I've played the originals. Oh, no. <laughs> what are they like? Are they, like, totally different or...? Much more arcadey, much mm. more... Um, they're just you know they're much simpler games um they're still hugely interesting and like you'll know from the most recent one the amazing like set pieces and boss fights mm -hmm. and like just the tension of it all and the like the the scope of it all you know you always feel like you're part of a much wider living and breathing world yeah. and they certainly did that really really well with the original trilogy and and i you know i haven't played any of the 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 side ones like the psp ones or anything like that but I played the kind of numbered ones at least and yeah they really make you feel like you're a part of a much bigger world but you know on the other side of that kratos is not um as well explored a character at all not yeah. as complex a character and obviously there's a lot of complexity to him you know he's like his, his ashen skin is like this constant burning reminder of like the family that he let down and you know there's there, there is that huge complexity and nuance to him but nowhere near um in the way that it is in this in this newer game it's a much more um it's just a much smarter game. It's just a much yeah. more intelligent and nuanced game than, than the original ones and, and plays on the fact that the original ones weren't that as well, I think. Yeah, I just can't, I can't look at him without facial hair. So I don't think I'll ever be able to play the originals. I just can't stand <laughs> looking at Kratos without a beard. It really freaks me out. <laughs> he, he looks better with the beard, right? He definitely sure. looks better with the beard. 100%. <laughs> okay, well, that was a good answer. That's a, that's a very you. good one. God, God of War 2. Uh, so, final question, and you may not have an answer to this one, but if you don't, okay. I would love to know why. And that is, what was the first game that made you cry? Well, I cry very easily um, <laughs> at everything. Um, but the first one, so th I suppose this kind of ties in as well with the first game that made me realise like what games had become. In the, so I didn't have, I wasn't playing games between the ages of like, 10 and 16 maybe I had like a blip where you know just I didn't have a console I wasn't playing I was kind of like out of the loop and then I got a job at game the shop and I was like I really need to like up my product knowledge again so I bought like a secondhand PS3 if you just whatever was cheapest at CX and I got like Bioshock 2 and Arkham City and stuff like that 
Um, and then I got The Last of Us on PS3. Oh my God, taking me back. Wow. Um, and I played it and I was like, is this what games are now? Is this what I've missed? Is this like how far we've come? Um, and yeah, I, I cried like a baby throughout the whole thing, pretty much. I think the, um, the biggest moment I cried was when uh, uh, Joel rescues Ellie from David, like maybe two thirds into the game. Um, and just seeing how far their relationship had come and just the fact that, because uh, I don't know, I don't know if I was one of those judgy people that were like, oh yeah, gaming, whatever. It's, it's not like, it's not like a book or a movie or whatever. I don't think I was ever that person, but I definitely had those kind of ideas kind of pushed on me from a young age just by like the general public I guess so I was playing it and I was like this has made me feel so many things and this is a video game and I think just those two ideas put together was such um was so kind of jarring for me at the time so yeah The Last of Us was the first game I ever cried at like a baby and since then I've cried at a lot of games (laughs) Um, and yeah, that kind of started my new journey. I think that kind of got me obsessed with gaming again. And I started to keep up to date more, get like the new games and consoles. And I managed to trade in my secondhand PS3 for a brand new PS4 eventually with lots of saving up. And yeah, since then I cry at every game. So thank you, Last of Us and Neil Druckmann. (laughs) (laughs) No, that it it really is like, that's the, um, that's the game to show people, right? Mm. When uh, when they when they don't believe that there's an emotional complexity to games that you can get from from other mediums. Like there's a really really great, um, or there was a really great exhibition at the V&A that they had at London and in Dundee as well, talking about basically the development process behind video games. And it's basically like if anyone doesn't believe that that games can be these amazing complex mm. pieces of art, then it's you know, go to this exhibition and have a look. And they have a huge thing about uh, the. Development development process behind the last of us that is so interesting and and really filmic as well like it's very film based and 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 it feels like the development process of a film you know Mm -hmm. it's it's really really interesting and yeah it's just an amazing game as well you know i haven't actually played the um i haven't played the second one yet oh my god do it dude when that came out that's the first game i ever pre-ordered um i was just like this is what a student overdraft is for right um so that like arrived and i literally locked myself in my room for three days and I just didn't come out and I came out a shell of a human. I, c- I cannot believe like what I went through playing that game. Um, top tip for when you do play it, take breaks. It is heavy. You will feel a lot. But I loved it so much that I'm literally getting a tattoo in less than a month for The Last of Us. So that's my testament to how much that game impacted my life. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered. It's on you forever Exactly, now. exactly. Like, don't make a third one and disappoint me because then I'll regret it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I need to play it. You know, actually, I think the problem is, is that I, the, my darker days of video game playing are beyond me now. And I look for something that's a bit more wholesome. I don't know if I can handle these like really emotionally driving it driven experiences anymore. It's too much for me. It's I want to I, I want to enjoy my weekend. I don't want to hate myself. That's what was really interesting, because I'm kind of the same. I feel like especially now with lockdown and quarantine and stuff, I'm I'm really at the point where I'm looking for happy things. You know, I've been playing a lot of Fall Guys. (laughs) Um, Okay, now we're going to turn it around a bit to to round off this lovely first episode. And you're going to be subject to the three questions that you just asked me. So, Brandon, you're on a desert island. You are only allowed one game for the rest of your life because you're never getting off that island. What is the game? 
Oh, I, you know what? It, this answer will probably change every single time <laughs> that you ask me this question. Okay. Because I can just never, I can never make my mind up. And I specifically tried not to think too hard about what I was going to answer to this question because I didn't want to yeah. come up with some like fancy doctored answer of this <laughs> like obscure game that no one's ever heard of before. That. <laughs> so, oh. Well, it's you know the first what? one that comes to your mind is what I want to hear. The first one that comes to my mind is... <laughs> it's Mirror's Edge. Okay. Why? Um, there's just something about that game that is so enjoyable and so unlike anything else that's out there um, that I think was just so replayable that I don't think I would ever get bored of it. Okay, interesting. I I've think actually that never I could... played it. Do you want to tell me about what it's like about and stuff? Yeah, so basically it's like uh, you play as um, this free runner in, a, in this futuristic kind of dystopian city where you are like sending covert messages between kind of like different factions of like rebel groups. Um, everything's kind of digital and technology based and tracked and censored and basically the only way that these groups can get messages and information and packages to each other is through these runners and you play as this one uh, runner called Faith who gets embroiled in this kind of wider conspiracy with um, the powers that be. Mm. And the whole game is just levels of like free running. Um, it's it's uh, linear, so it's not like an open world and you're progressing through the levels in the way that they want you to. But there's a lot of flexibility as to how you carry those levels out and like the things that you want to do. And I don't know if there's ever been a, a game that's done something similar. I think, you know, Dying Light is probably the closest the closest thing to it but that's a free that's an open world free running zombie shooter mm. whereas you know this is a totally different it's like a linear free running game with a narrative behind it it's got a wicked soundtrack it's got a cool really cool art style and yeah it's a totally unique game i really don't think there's anything out there that's like it and do you know what if you ask me this question in five minutes time i'll give you another answer but that's my answer for now <laughs> okay question two if you could have worked on any game, past, present or future, what game would it be and why? Yeah, you know, this, this answer actually hasn't changed. Um, I think I do know what the answer to this one is. Um, and it's a game called Braid. Mm -hmm. um, it's a uh, platforming game that has these kind of like time bending puzzles. So within it, you have the ability to reverse time and you use it in lots of different ways. And the platforming style was really, really similar to like Super Mario Bros. And intentionally so, it kind of makes reference to it. Um, and it's about the story of you trying to save a princess, essentially. Um, but it, I won't spoil it, but in, a, in mm. some very clever ways, it turns that on its head. And I think the reason that I would like to have worked on it is because it has a huge amount of technical prowess behind it. Like what they did was really unheard of and hadn't been done before this idea of like real time time reversal within a game like that um there was a lot of thought that went into how they nailed that and mm -hmm. there's a really great gdc talk actually by the creator on on how they went about doing it and all of that is bundled up in this like seemingly like <sighs> quite 
really endearing and really like humble and beautifully um, drawn platforming game that is just the most enjoyable and soulful thing to play. You know, the game has just so much soul and so much kind of like passion behind it. Mm-hmm. And it and it, it, it hides or disguises what is actually a really technically quite difficult game to make. It has this amazing watercolor art style that I've never seen in a game before. I think Bastion maybe uses something kind of similar. They ha- has that really nice like pastely watercolory art style but braid does it in a way that i've never seen in a game it's got a wholly unique art style that's just really really cool it just screams that game um and yeah as i said you know it, it it references kind of like the act of video game playing and the nature of video games quite a lot throughout it and flips the whole mario princess in another castle premise on its head in quite a clever way as well and i think that was one of the first times that i ever played a game that really made me think about the act of video game playing. There's a few other ones that have done that as well. Mm -hmm. But I think that was the first game that actually made me kind of like sit back a bit and go, oh, okay, the game is aware of the fact that I'm playing it, if that makes sense. Um, And the creators are aware of that relationship between the game and the player, which I think is a really interesting relationship. And why like the idea of a game making you cry, I think is so like powerful because you have such an active role in uh, that process, uh, mm-hmm. whereas a film, you're you're whisked away and it's it's on someone else's terms. Uh, whereas with this, it's more of a relationship. I think to a certain extent, you're doing it on their terms, but you have some agency in that. And I feel yeah. like that's more more emotionally affecting. I feel like and Braid was the first game to to really make me think about that relationship. Um, and it's just a beautiful and really fun game to play. I quite like puzzle platformers. I quite mm-hmm. like wrapping my head around them. Uh, and sort of puzzle games in general. Uh, the Witness that's made by the same people that made the Braid made Braid is is also really fantastic as well and does some similar kind of uh, things. But yeah, I think Braid for me. I, I would just have loved to work on that game to understand the technical know-how that went behind it and to just be a part of creating that really soulful experience. Yeah. Well, all that sounded amazing. Um, and are you ready for the final question? Yeah. I, I've been racking my brain. For, yeah, ask away. And we'll see what comes <laughs> so um, I'm going to say you can have a variation of it. You can say the first game that made you cry or the game that has ever made you cry the most. So I'll let you choose, but you can only pick one. Yeah. You know, I think there's a few answers to this one um, that I, if you ask me at another time, I would be able to tell you, mm-hmm. but the one that's the one that's coming to my head weirdly is you know what actually i'm going to give you two because there's a funny story behind one of them All right, i'm going to give you the one I, i'm going to give you the one i'm going to give you the one that came to my mind first at least anyway mm-hmm. and this is a game that's actually on ps4 um and it's called everything mm-hmm. um and it's this weird kind of like exploratory game where you start off as like a like a microbe essentially and and you can basically inhabit the body of something that's slightly larger than you and it's about the idea of exploring this world from the smallest of creatures and things within it to the basically the entire universe. Um, and it's quite a funny game um, and intentionally so. So like the all the animals you control don't move like normal animals. Mm-hmm. They just roll. They just roll in a really like. <laughs> strange unnatural process and it's very very funny and it's like if you've ever played the katamari games you can tell it's kind of inspired by by that that kind of like quite funny 
platforming kind of mm. experience. Um, but uh, it, basically over the top of that, they have these kind of like talks by uh, philosophists um, about the nature of things and the nature of the world. And, and I don't know why, but I think it was just maybe it, it got me thinking about other things and it just really like welled up with emotion about it mm. and welled up with just this like this little experience of a game that made me think about the wide issues are in the world and just the nature of existence more widely and this is a really like fluffy answer so i'm sorry but so it gave you like it, an existential crisis basically <laughs> well, yeah, maybe not a crisis but yeah some sort of something existential at least anyway yeah something that just made me think about the world more widely mm -hmm. and that was really really powerful i think for something that's quite a humorous little game as well and uh, the other answer I'm going to give you is the game that I know definitely made me cry. And this actually probably is the game that first that first made me cry. And that was Echo the Dolphin on the Sega Mega Drive. Um, that game used to scare me so much. I used to get like a recurring nightmare. Uh, there's a, a scene at the start of Echo the Dolphin where all the other dolphins get kidnapped. And it has this like really quite creepy music. It's like... <laughs> and, uh, and like it's the, the sky's all changing colors. And like you're all... The dolphin's like flipping about and everything. And I used to not be able to like i'd have to get someone to play that start bit of the game for me so that i could go through to the other bits there was something about just like the water being in the depths of the water the style of it all and mm. I, I was really young though i was really young but that game used to make me cry because i it used to scare me so much <laughs> crying out of fear i love that <laughs> genuinely crying out of fear yeah yeah and that's a bit of a sour note to leave it on i maybe should have <laughs> left it on the one about the um yeah existential realization about the nature of things mm-hmm and that brings us nicely to the end of the very first episode of the Intergames podcast, Getting Into Games. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in. We do hope you return for the next episode and every episode after that to hear from some absolutely amazing guests. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well at HQ to keep up with all the amazing work we're doing here at Intergames, including game jams, Twitter Q&As, resources literally everything get involved get involved with anything that we're up to there's lots of great initiatives out there that we can support you with um and yeah tune in for the next episode where you can hear some much more interesting stories from a whole lot of more interesting people than us